All right, everybody, it is time for another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. But before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy-to-understand way. Uh, And we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to Crypto101insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, It took 11 months of our lives to write, and we're calling it Crypto Revolution, Your Guide to the Future of Money. We walk you through this fascinating world of cryptocurrencies and blockchain, and it's part history book, it's part instructional guide, and it's going to really show you guys why cryptocurrencies are globally disruptive and how they're going to actually change in real life and in real terms the way that we buy and sell and even live. We include a bunch of how-tos on getting started with your first exchanges. Uh, we give you tips on you know, how to safely buy and sell and store cryptocurrencies, as well as how do we evaluate potentially good cryptocurrencies. And the best part of the book is that we're giving it away for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling. So go to CryptoRevolution.com and pick up your copy today. All right, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic morning, noon, or night. Wherever you are in the world, you are certainly in the right place because you are here joining just me today uh, on the Crypto 101 podcast. My uh, notorious co-host, Mr. Pizza Mind, was having some serious technical difficulties. Um, It sounded like he was speaking through a robot machine that was looping back and forth. And we had our guest on here a, a few minutes just waiting and trying to get this stuff figured out. So Pizza Mind, you're gonna miss a good one because we're joined today by Kasala Hemachandra, the founder and CEO of My Ether Wallet, AKA Mew. So Kasala, uh, welcome to the show and thanks for bearing with us here uh, on, on a little bit of a late start. Of course, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, this is great. It, it, it's funny, like we had more technical difficulties going into just recording this podcast than the entire Ethereum merge had uh, on the night of the merge, which just happened very successfully. Tell us a little bit about what was going on with with the, the Ethereum merge and how did it go so smoothly? Yeah, I think it's mainly, I mean, you know, for the past, I'd say, okay, so we have to go all the way back, right? Like when Ethereum first came out in uh, 2015, August, the POS or the merge was on the roadmap. Um, right. They were planning to finish it in like a year. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that did seven happen. years later. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then the next year, and then the next year, a few years went by. And then for the past two years or so, a lot of people were super skeptical about it too. It's like, why is it taking so long? Why are there so many delays? Why, like, this is not going to happen? And I even heard miners just like betting against POS not going through. They are like, oh, definitely, we'll still keep mining. That's not going to be a problem. This is how it's going to be. But 
But the good news is those delays actually meant something. It, those delays mm. meant that this POS, the merge, will go smoothly as it went. And we all saw it. And which is amazing to see. I know like we were all expecting. And I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I was super nervous. And I was like, I was 99% sure that it's going to go smoothly. But at, at like, but still that 1% of nervousness is like oh my gosh something's gonna go wrong yeah something's gonna happen but at the end of the day we all know like best minds or the smartest minds in this world were working on this and then if they they did the best and they made sure everything went smoothly yeah it was one of those things where they had they had planned for you know like you said, seven years for this day and kept pushing it back because they had done so many tests. And one of the interesting things I thought that um, one of the analogies somebody on the podcast had mentioned was like, you know, they said, Bryce, this is like the same level of detail that, you know, Elon Musk will put into a a rocket ship launch. He goes, there's $250 billion of, of value secured on this Ethereum network. And that's just the Ethereum token alone, not to mention let's round up to a hundred billion dollars of value across DeFi and uh, you know, you know, different applications built on top of Ethereum. So we're talking almost a half a trillion dollar launch. And, and this is, this is, you know, aerospace level engineering. And, and even as a, you know, you've run my ether wallet, which is one of the, the earliest uh, you know, crypto wallets uh, for Ethereum. You've been with Ethereum probably since it was before even a billion dollar market cap. What was it? Was it surreal to to watch this rocket ship launch kind of take off and you having just played such a big part in the ecosystem? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, definitely. It was just mind blowing moment because like we were all expecting this to happen for the past seven years. And then finally it happened. And it's just like, just, just being there, just looking at it. I mean, I had two computers up and running, just like watching the live stream from Ethereum Foundation. And then one of my computers actually merged to POS. And then I saw the Panda icon and it, or image and everything. Yeah. And then I was looking at the live stream and then nothing happened. They were still waiting. I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Like for quick five seconds, I was just concerned. But like, it was just mind blowing. It's amazing to see and amazing to be in the space and then see all this development. And yes, you are hundred percent correct. It wasn't even a billion dollars when we, uh, or when I at least entered to the um, the market. And then my Ether wallet came two weeks after. So, like we've been part of the Ethereum ecosystem since the beginning uh, of Ethereum mainnet launch, and it's amazing to see all like every single step of the development process and every single step led to the merge as of now. Yeah, right. And and I also want to make sure everyone is aware that this is not the end. This is the first step towards a whole nother level or whole nother uh, version of Ethereum that's going to upgrade eventually like within the next six months, 12 months, like they have like think a five-year plan for new upgrades and updates to make it more scalable, add more functionality, things like that. So this is this is the start of a whole nother era. I love it. Yeah, no, I I think that's great. You know, somebody was telling me the other day, they're like, all right, well, the merge happened, like that's it. Like, okay, what's next? And I'm like, yeah. no, the merge is the beginning of something brand new. It's yeah, it's the Ethereum 2.0 view of, you know. Having um, you know, 
sharding and all this, you know, very sharp, quick data availability of so that, you know, applications can now, you know, span, you know, millions of users simultaneously. And, and what I think that, you know, this whole, you know, the whole promised land of the Ethereum 2.0 ecosystem is like, we're going to be able to now finally move from the world of experimentation and small localized little crypto communities that are, you know, firing off on one another in Twitter and like, will now be uh, you know, a platform that's, that can house truly the, the financial applications of the future because the bandwidth will be there, right? And yeah. I view a lot of this as being so similar to the early days of the internet where it's like, you know, all the guys like us who are the nerds who are thinking about this stuff way before anybody uses it, they're like, well, why are you guys interested in this? All you could do is send a text message to like four other you know, intranets, like that's not yeah. that cool. But we're like, yeah. if you kind of play it out into the futures, one day you'll be able to have videos and people are like laughing. They're just like, oh, you could have, you know, it'll take you 10 minutes to download a kilobyte, you know, package. And it looks like it was shot on a potato. Like, but then, but we said, oh, well, one day you'll be able to have, you know, 4k streaming to every device in America. Just wait, you'll see. Yeah. And then sure enough, 20, 30 years later, now we're here and we can do that. And so this to me is like, you know, people laugh at crypto because like you could only have these little borrow and lend facilities that could house, you know, a hundred million dollars and stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's not big, but hey, it's a proof of concept. And Ethereum 2.0 is going to take us from proof of concept to now the doors are open, business is open, kind of come build here. And, and I think that that is going to have a lot of, you know, enterprise value. Um, you know, companies can kind of attach themselves to this Ethereum open network that'll help their enterprise value boost up. And there's yeah. going to be a whole lot that people can do with this. And I guess my, you know, my long winded preamble uh, is all kind of, you know, resolving to a question of like, what do you think are going to be the most valuable things to happen uh, on this new Ethereum platform uh, that maybe weren't even possible before the the merge and like, well, the finalized version of ETH 2.0? Yeah. So yeah, going off with your example, like remember back in the day when we had like Nokia phones and then the yes. little images will load black and white pixels yep. one by one, and then you'll see a little uh, emoji. Yep. Um, and then look, now we have phones that can play like 4K uh, videos, right? And then yeah. you don't, it's completely wireless and the, the 5G networks, and then people are working on like multi, like in the next generation of the network itself, which can, which can handle, uh, magnitudes of the bandwidth that it can handle with 5g so things like that so when ethereum first came out it's like you send one single transaction it, like tokens didn't even exist it was just like you right. said back and forth right it was more like bitcoin back then and uh so smart contracts wasn't even like it was there they had the capability but nobody really used it nobody really knew how to use it even so and look at us now, right? We we already have lending borrowing platforms, DeFi, completely decentralized exchanges running on Ethereum. And like like NFTs were a big thing in the past, and which was never a possibility with a centralized version, right? It's not possible to have uh NFTs hosted or like NFT type of thing on a centralized environment. So now, now we have all this already, and then that's a huge improvement. That's like from if you look at seven years ago, Ethereum to now, it's it's already amazing and by yeah. itself. Um, but like, like the main problems that we are having, or like main problems that a lot of people or like a lot of devs are having. Okay, we have a user base, but all the users can't interact because like 
for example, this is like the major, most biggest issue, right? The gas price. And like you had to spend a lot of money in gas price if like someone wants to mint an NFT or like even do an exchange. So I think like last time I checked like a couple of hours ago, it was around $43 to do a swap from one token to another, which is, you know, which is high. Like it's not possible if you're, if you're swapping um, $100,000 or so, so, then like maybe $43 are ne- is neg- negligible. But at the same time, if you're doing like a $50 swap, then obviously $43 is a lot. So, um, and the, the good news is we are all aware of these issues. And then the merge is getting one step closer to solving that. The merge, the, what happened uh, a week, the POS, the merge did not solve it. Uh, period so but like it's the first step towards solving the scalability issue and i think like oh, the final goal is to support somewhere around like hundred thousand transactions per second and the moment we hear that it's just for the uh, people who are not aware of like uh how crypto is functioning or how centralized uh services are functioning basically visa cards can only handle twenty thousand transactions per second um oh the last time i checked but like 100,000 transactions transactions per second is already 5x. So that means that we are already going to beat like all the centralized servers. Hell yeah. And it's it's amazing and doing it in a decentralized manner, like it's just it's it's again mind-blowing and I feel like that's like the my ne- next biggest thing that I'm, I'm I'm going to wait for and then if I have to stay up and, and until like 2 a.m. in the morning to watch that's happening then yeah that's the case I mean for the POS I was up uh at midnight I think it happened around midnight in was, was your time. whole team like online you're kind of like ready to go just in case kind of you know crap hit the fan everybody was kind of on call <laughs> most of them which is funny <laughs> because like we didn't make it mandatory or anything we we made sure every Everyone's aware of like this is happening, and then few yeah. developers were online just in case if something goes wrong. But it, uh, later on, we all found out that everyone was online looking at a stream, and <laughs> it was not like it was not mandatory. But everyone was just excited, similarly as like myself. So, which is you know amazing. And then we are also like as we grow, we are also building a community who who believe in this whole ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to like, I'm not saying anything wrong about Bitcoin, but like I, I, I totally believe in Bitcoin. It's going to be the value token. Um, and it's it's going to be like the my, my way of expressing Bitcoin is like gold in real life. Gold is not going to go away. Gold will always be there and it's, it carries value, but versus uh, ETH will be uh, a utility token, right? Like it's like USD, Euro, um, you know, Japan, yeah, and something like that, where you can actually carry it to a store and then buy something. It's not like you can carry like ounce of gold to buy a bag of chips, right? But like, if you look at all the other ecosystem, all the other uh, like blockchains out there, I feel like Ethereum is the most uh, developing or like you see something happening in Ethereum all the time, which means that it's it's moving forward. It's not stagnant. Versus, I mean, it's not necessary for some of the other blockchains to keep moving forward because they're happy where they are. But at the same time, if you look at any software, right? If you like be stale, if you don't uh, make any updates to your software, then it's possible that you might lose your user share because they might move on to another blockchain that can accomplish what they want to accomplish. So, um, and this is also another reason uh, why Ethereum is so super interesting to me because 
all these developments happening, all these like really bright, smart minds behind it and then making changes or like adding new features on basically like every day. Yeah. So, which is extremely exciting. And it seems like there's just so many new applications that, that get formed on Ethereum every day. And, you know, something you said that was kind of interesting was, you know, Ethereum is, is this, you know, more utility token on top of this network, whereas Bitcoin is more like the digital gold. And I kind of, I kind of think like Ethereum is more like this digital oil. And I know a lot of people have made that sort of um, analogy, but I'll take it a step further. And I would say that probably in five or 10 years, like there will be more machines and more software programs that are transacting Ethereum on a daily basis than humans. And I think that that's probably going to be specific to Ethereum because in order for these smart contracts to run and operate, you know, I'm preaching to the choir, but like they need to have Ethereum in their smart, their automatic little smart contract wallet in order to facilitate transactions. And so I think that, you know, people are are probably going to be spending stable coins or tokens like, you know, on, on the Ethereum network, but most of the actual ETH will probably be used by these machines. Um, you know, do you think that that would be something way off base or kind of on track? No, I don't. Yeah, I think it's, it'll definitely be. I mean, that was that's why like the Ethereum is also the gas, right? Because that's mm-hmm. what fuels the whole ecosystem. That's definitely uh, a possibility. Like in the future, yeah, five, eight years from now, like all these IOTs, right? Like the Internet yeah. of Things, like everything, like even your fridge can. I've seen like a fridge, which is, I think by Samsung or something that can order groceries for you if you if you are like running low on that. Those things, I mean, obviously right now it's happening with our credit card or some kind of a centralized service, but those things easily could be on the blockchain. Like just to also imagine like your um, electricity meter, right? Like the meter. So it can maybe once per second or like once per hour, you can send a small message or transaction saying, okay, this is the level or this is the value right as of right now. This is the value as of right now, which is, which could could talk directly to the car. It could talk directly to the car as well. So, um, and this, all of this can happen without basically any servers. And I, I, in the future, it also could be right now, uh, the user who's actually sending the transactions need to pay for gas, but like eventually there will be uh, a feature which will enable some other wallet to pay for gas as well. So not everyone needs to have gas in there. Like for example, a DAP user, right? Like if let's say um, a, this, uh, this is a purely an example or like NFT that you want to mint an NFT on this specific DAP, but the problem is you don't have ETH. So you can't mean you cannot mean the NFT, but like, but the DAP has let's say enough ETH for, to give away to all these users, so they can pay for the gas. So things like that could be definitely part of the future, and this is also why ETH is called gas because it's technically what facilitates the Ethereum network. Not even though we use it as a token as well to send value back and forth, but it's the main goal of ETH is to run the whole network so that's what controls it and all the other tokens built on like wrapped ETH could be a token that you can you know think of it as a value and this is what all every single decentralized exchange use as of now because they don't want to deal directly with ETH but yeah so yeah I, I I I yeah I agree definitely like in the future it could be uh IOTs or machines talking to each other and then using ETH as gas um it's 
Yes, the future is yes. going to be yeah future is going to be a wild place and uh one of the things that you you know in order to interact with with crypto you need a wallet right i mean that's yeah. pretty base level um just like if you want to interact with the web you need a web browser and mm-hmm. i've always kind of thought as uh, of crypto wallets similarly to web browsers right in the beginning there was a, mu- a bunch of different browsers just like there's a bunch of different wallets but eventually yeah. you know do you think that we're you know we're going to settle on one standard or will it really be you know um, and is that even an accurate kind of analogy? So, um, the wallet standard is as of right now, is like any, basically you can don't do this, but you can write down, um, like 64 characters, which are between zero and F and that's the wallet address, right? That's a private key, <laughs> but don't do that because like humans are not capable of generating enough entropy. So if you do, if you write down that and then use it as a wallet, it's possible that some kind of a person will be able to figure that out and empty and your brute wallet. force the private key. Yeah. Brute force the private key. So that's basically a private key as of right now. Right. So, but like, there's also the quantum machines problem coming up pretty soon. I think like eventually quantum machines will be able to figure out private keys like exponentially faster than regular computers. So um, that's going to happen. So eventually like this, the, the current private key standard will change. So, but as of now talking like as of right now, this is, this is the, the private key, but the, but the good news is users ne- not, doesn't necessarily have to memorize this or remember this all the time. And it's, I would say it's next to impossible to remember 64 characters, right? Uh, random characters. So, um, and then the wallets are like, for example, my the wallet is, is a wallet that will let you access your account. We are like, hardware wallets, we are like browser extensions. We are, even if you have the raw private key, you can access it. Um, and so that that kind of standard is already laid out. So there will be multiple wallets, uh, and which is a good thing in the ecosystem, which is decentralized, right? We Because we all believe in decentralization and different wallets will let you do different things. There, there are different use cases. And that's why there's this one standard that everyone is following, which makes it way easier for all the wallets to integrate different key key files or different private keys. And um, so this is why I actually think the competition is really good because now every single wallet is trying to, you know, um, figure out, well, okay, what's the next best, best feature that we can add to be on top of the other competitor, things like that. So, which is, which is like, we are in a constant cycle of improvement in order to compete with each other, which, eventually makes the user have the best feature set for them mm-hmm. to access the network. And uh, this is also why, and then like it, while we were doing this, we are already in like a good place in Ethereum ecosystem. Uh, we also realized that the other net blockchains are not doing a pretty good job on like creating wallets, like wallets, wallet interfaces to make uh, make it more user-friendly. And then uh, like those networks, so Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, they have millions of users as well, but they're in like this constant struggle of access, how to access their wallets, how to access or send funds. And this is basically, and it reminded me why I initially started my Ether wallet as well, because I saw on Reddit that so many people were having issues just simply unlocking their keys to file or sending E yeah. to point from person point A to point B or wallet A to wallet B. And I was like, okay, I can put together a simple interface. And then now seven years in, I'm seeing that. Unfortunately, I'm still seeing that for other blockchains. So that's why I'm not sure whether you're familiar with Encrypt, which is our latest browser extension that we released a month ago. So we so, so this will so will Encrypt be able to you know function as a wallet on different uh, networks as opposed to just Ethereum? Yeah. So we are basically enabling obviously all the Ethereum networks are supported. Uh, Ethereum based like Polygon, Ethereum, uh, Binance chain, all those chains are supported. All and the EVMs. EVM chains. And then we also added the whole Polkadot ecosystem. So nice. Polkadot, Kusama, um, we recently released Asta, Shiden, um, Akala, all those like Polkadot ecosystems are already included. And then uh, Bitcoin is on the way as well. So these days, it seems like every new potential hire can feel like this high stakes wager for your small business. I mean, you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best, most qualified candidates available. And so that's exactly why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. Okay, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. In fact, our brand new super podcast producer, TiVo, the absolute man myth legend himself. He literally just started here at Crypto 101 this month to take us to the next level. And we found him through LinkedIn. He's one of many that we found thanks to LinkedIn uh, this year alone, believe it or not. So guys, get this. It's so easy to create a job post on LinkedIn. Once you've done so, all you got to do is just add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile, and you can start spreading the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions and stuff, it just makes it easy for you to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And we're always, always, always looking to finish the year strong here at Crypto 101. And by using LinkedIn Jobs, we were able to bring on the right podcast producer candidate in TiVo, okay? TiVo's the man, along with a bunch of other great new team members. So it's stories like our own that show us why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So Crypto 101 listeners, you can go to LinkedIn jobs to help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to and do it a heck of a lot faster. So you can go, you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash crypto. Okay, that's linkedin.com slash crypto, and you could post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Mm -hmm. 
these different blockchains have different capabilities, right? And then they, they offer different things to the users. And then why do we have to um, create a future where people needs to use different wallets for different blockchains? Because the future that I'm looking at, users doesn't even need to know what blockchain they're interacting with. Like for example, when you use Venmo, right? You don't know whether the Venmo service are hosted in AWS or Google or some other service. Or whether that person has a Chase Bank or a Bank of America Bank, it's exactly. kind of agnostic. Yeah, like that's the that's the future for blockchain that I'm looking at, like it's agnostic future. Um, There's a protocol called Axelar that's coming out um, that I heard about that's trying to do that same, oh, that really? same concept. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll definitely take yeah, a look write at it, it down. A X E L A R Axelor. Okay, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, would love to uh, take a look at it and maybe like get in touch with them as well. It's like if you if you make it comp, like we all talk about mass adoption. We all want like everyone to use blockchain, but going back to your wallet standard, right? Like yeah, no one's is it gonna easy be enough yet. For yeah. Everyone. Like no one's gonna, yeah. Remember 64 characters. And like, if they have to create like 10 different wallets to interact with 10 different blockchains, like you're already losing 70 yeah. to 80% of your user base. So it's like, totally. it's not something that that'll happen. So, um, the few yes future is the mass adoption but we have to take small steps today in order for that to happen in the future and and so tell me a little bit more about the plans for my ether wallet i think you know it's it's been on the on the you know forefront of ethereum for seven years right Mm -hmm. and they just had the merge are you guys planning on getting involved in any different uh business lines or what's going to be your sole focus going forward so my my Ether wallet is completely focused on Ethereum. Um, we will obviously we will add new features as they come. Like we we supported staking functionality to our users, and then uh, now when they can withdraw their funds, we'll add that feature as well. And then my Ether wallet is completely Ethereum based. And then at the same time, we also have multiple other products uh, based on Ethereum, like ETHVM, which is our blockchain explorer, and Utopia, which is our like Ethereum educational platform. Um, and then me wallet, which is our, uh, mobile application. So we have a whole ecosystem around Ethereum to improve Ethereum and then bring a great, like user experience to every single user in Ethereum space. Basically like what we want to accomplish is if you want to do something on Ethereum, you should be able to do it with one of our products. And that's where we want to be. And that's where, that's where, that's where we Try or like tr- trying to be and mm-hmm. our find main goal. And then at the same time, uh, we are like, okay, we don't have to limit to Ethereum. We can bring the excess same kind of user experience to other blockchains and then have just like one wallet to access every single blockchain. So they don't have to worry about, oh, memorizing like six, 10 different mnemonics or like mm-hmm. 10 different keys or downloading 10 different extensions, things like that. So just like one one extension to support basically all Web3. One ring and, to rule them all. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's where that's, I feel like that's going to be a necessity in the future. Like mm-hmm. people, because there's no reason. Yeah, no yeah. reason for you to be just, you know, stuck with one chain. 
And because eventually there will be a chain that offers completely different uh, feature set. And then you're like, okay, I want to use it. And it, it might not, that feature set might not be in Ethereum's roadmap, right? So it's like, okay, I have to, I have to use that blockchain in order to achieve that. And then eventually maybe in like 10 years or so, we will be able to make it all seamless and one single DAP will be able to interact with 10 different blockchains and then make users achieve what they want to do. Um, But in order to achieve, have that feature, we have to start today. Yeah. Now, what what do you think of like, um, you know, people having, you know, exchange accounts and they always say not your keys, not your coins, but a lot of the exchanges, I mean, they're pretty buttoned up now at this point. Uh, some of the reputable ones, obviously there's a lot of exchanges that have, you know, been hacked in the past, but kind of what's your stance on all this? Are you a hardliner? Like never have any money on the exchanges? Um, I mean, to be completely honest, I do have money on exchange. <laughs> the founder of my all, I do have money on exchange. <laughs> and we also like the company itself use a, a pretty well-known exchange in US to do, you know, we have to pay our, we have to do our payroll. Right. So we have to do that. We have to exchange ETH or like all the funds or tokens that we get paid in to convert to USD so we can do the payroll. Um, so yeah, we will definitely forever will need exchanges. And but like the where I draw the hard line is we can totally fine to use exchanges to do convert to fiat or get into crypto. But if that's a safer solution, which means non-custodial wallets to keep your crypto. There's no reason for you to, for long term, there's no reason for you to leave it on an exchange, right? It's not, it's not necessarily because the exchanges can get hacked, but when the funds are in the exchange, they can do other things with the, with the funds, right? Like they can borrow, lend against, we saw like the Celsius just filing bankruptcy um, because they were using users funds to do other things, just like banks, right? This is what banks do. Yeah. What do they Um, call it? A rehypothecation. I will never be able to pronounce that word. But yeah. <laughs> Taking customer deposits and loaning it out uh, yeah. to someone else. So, and every single point introduce a new, like a point of failure. And then like yeah. your, your funds might be lost, not necessarily because of a hack, but something that the banks or like the, the exchange would do to increase their profit. And um, if you're a trader, like, and if you're like trader on centralized exchanges, then by all means, you have to have funds in in the exchange yeah. in order to facilitate that. But if you're a trader on like just Texas, then you don't have to have it in in centralized exchanges. So uh, it, it it depends on the use case. But uh, I I draw my line where if you're if you if you if you don't need like hot funds like a hot wallet where you like constantly trade or do something, mm-hmm. if you're saving something for long term, put it in a non custodial wallet. Or like, or, or even, I mean, even if you're like a Dex, Dex trader, you don't have to have it in the exchange and then move just the funds that you need to trade to a, a non-custodial wallet. You can yeah. always just you can move use MetaMask to, with a hardware wallet. Yeah, exactly, and move it to a hardware wallet or so. So, um, or you can use Encrypt with a hardware wallet. There we go. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so there are definitely. Uh, how do we download? How do we download Encrypt? Uh, what's it's the Encrypt.com. E N K R Y P T. Okay, perfect. Encrypt. So it's Encrypt with a K. Dot com. Yeah. Um, 
And um, yeah, in the future, we'll be adding more blockchains. So basically one key you can use on every single blockchain. Love it. Let, let me switch gears. I, I've, got a, I've got a higher level question for you. Zooming out outside of uh, crypto wallets, outside of keys. Let's talk about running a business. Um, uh-huh. You've run a business through several bull markets and bear markets. We're kind of you know, some would say we're in a pretty strong bear market. Some say we're on the precipice of an even stronger bear market. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not going to ask you necessarily your opinion on where you think the market's going to go or anything like that. But how to just as a CEO, how as a business owner, do you manage the uh, the volatility of running a business in, uh, in, the, in the crypto market? Yeah, um, there's definitely ups and downs. And then there are definitely calls that we have to make. We are like, oh, do we have enough funds to survive? At least in the beginning, right? We were like, okay, um, the pretty the 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 time that it when it went to like eighty dollars or so, I think three four years ago, yeah, which is crazy, right? It was eighty dollars, like I think crazy. four years ago, three four years ago. That was pretty tough for us. I'm not gonna lie, like when ETH hits that kind of levels, it's not easy because like the whole business is based on Ethereum mm-hmm. and Ethereum based tokens, and then there's this this trend when like block like the market goes down, all like crypto goes down as well. So it was definitely tough. And then we learned our lesson. Uh, the, the the main lesson is everyone thinks they're a good trader when the market is going up. So everyone's like, oh, mm-hmm. I made so much money. I'm, I'm the best trader. Like, like put all your money on this crypto or this coin, this, this. Um, if you're running a business, it's not easy to just like follow a trend. Uh, what we do, we... Um, whenever the market is high, or at least when we think, okay, it's high enough, we convert some of our volatile asset assets to like ETH and all these other crypto to stable coins and we keep it separate. Um, so, which also means, okay, that's the downside of if the market keeps going up, then we won't make any profit on that because now our assets are stable, but it helps us cover it during a bear market. Yeah. You basically take profits for a rainy day and yeah. you cover your runway uh, you know, five months, nine months out or whatever your runway in order to operate the business, you make exactly. sure that's covered when, when the market's good. Exactly. Um, and I think so many people get caught up in like, oh, well, it's going up, it's going up, it's going to yeah. keep going up. And then they never take profits. And this is a, a lesson that everybody learns is like, you got to take profits along the way at some point. Yeah. Um, and since you, you're you actually must. earning, you know, you guys earn income in Ethereum and in these tokens and stuff. Yeah. So you guys would be uh, remiss to not at least, you know, book some of those gains. Yeah, we everyone has to. If even if you're a trade, like it's so easy to like have this mindset of, oh, I'm a really good trader again. Like when the market is going up, and everyone thinks, and then I'm pretty sure you you had your friends, like you have friends who are like, oh, like I made this much. Like I definitely <laughs> got calls when the market was up, like when it was like okay, it was like I made this much money last month, like trading, and then I don't, they don't even talk anymore. Like we are still in touch, but they don't talk about crypto anymore, which also right. means they that they lost how much all they of lost. it. <laughs> yeah. So um, unfortunately, like you, you have to lose that mindset because if you if you keep having that mindset, then um, you are going to lose everything. So you have right. to take profit. Um, and yes, like having a twelve month runaway, like in stable assets, is really good way of uh, looking at the future or like make sh- making sure your company runs well for the next yeah. 12 months or so. And um, yeah, I'm, that's it. There were definitely struggles. 
during during bear markets, do you notice um, like as you I mean, if you travel around to different dev cons and conferences, um, do you see kind of a different level of interaction, maybe a different level of enthusiasm or seriousness about the market during uh, these sorts of periods relative to like bull market conferences? I definitely do. Bull market conferences, uh, I it's everyone's just hyped. You know, they're <laughs> it's like, just, I, I was trying party. to say it's like, yeah, it's like, it's all fake, but so, I can say it's all fake because there are some good projects in the mill, but like you see ton of like hyped up projects, mm-hmm. ton of them. And then, and being in the space for like enough time, we, I, I can easily spot them, right? They're, they're like, oh, we do this. Uh, or like come up with some like monkey looking NFT thing. And it's like, but what's the difference between you and the most popular one, right? So um, I'm yeah. like, why? Why are you doing this? But like, it's because like someone made money and or like some investor put money while the market is high and then they all have just money to spend and they all just like create some um something uh i'm trying some, to figure some out derivative the, kind yeah, of project exactly you know? something not yeah. original i've yeah. noticed that too you know um I, I remember you know going to conferences and stuff um ethereum san francisco you back in like 2018 and like some of these really key cool conferences kind of in the bear market of 2018 yeah. Uh, and a lot of it, like maker, for instance, the shirt I'm wearing, I mean, they, they were there. seller network was there. A couple yeah. of these guys like who were just like, Hey, like we're just kind of starting and, and talking and, you know, then they go launch and you see, they become these billion dollar uh, yeah, kind of exactly. companies. But in, in the, in the, in the bull market, you go and you see, you know, hundreds of these companies. And then two years later, none of them are there. Yeah, exactly. I, I love it. Cause like whenever <laughs> I go to um, a, a conference, I always tell my team, well, like, uh, 90% of these companies will not be here for the next conference. Yeah. <laughs> so, true. Which is, yeah. And, totally and, true. and it's, 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 I don't know what it, it's, I, I think it's a way of filtering out bad people, right? Eventually it'll, we'll see the good projects surviving and then all the bad projects just like, just dying off. Um, the cycle and of yes, life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And during bear markets, I definitely see people, um, who either survived through like the previous years or people who, you know, somehow saved enough to sponsor for these conferences or get a booth or even like people who, who are just getting into this space. They don't have a booth. I feel like those are the people like I really do like to talk to because they have genuine ideas, genuine like uh, goals to achieve, not just, not just after money, you know, then it's like, it's a different group of people that you can talk to. You can just sit down have a good conversation. If you were to shout out one other company that was in the space that you've kind of seen since the early days and has, you know, kind of come up with you, if you will, um, and really made an impact. I don't know. I'm just kind of curious of, of of what are some companies that are out there that you think are kind of legit. Um, I have to say definitely make up for die. And then the next company is the ENS. I'm a huge Mm. fan of ENS. Um, It's because uh, I know they released a token recently, but before that, they, I mean, it's just, you know, just like few people, just maybe like four to five people, including Nick Johnson, who just like, you put so much effort into making it a reality 
um, and like wrote all the smart contracts, went through audits, didn't have a single, I think, I don't think they were funded by anyone unless like Ethereum, probably Ethereum foundation funded them. And which is, you know, such a, such a great team and such a great group of people. Um, and I'm, I'm still in touch with, uh, touch with them as well. And, um, and even like, even after the token launch, they're still developing, they're still adding new features, which is, and it's, it's a necessary feature to have in any blockchain because no one's going to remember address, right? So you, you should be able to put a name to the address. So it's easy to remember and, um, which is, yeah, such a great project. Yeah, no, I, I'm really, uh, really excited about them. And you're right. They, they just launched a token, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago, if yeah. that. And like they've been building for so long. And so long. See, yeah. You see the reverse happen so much is, you know, there's these projects, they launch a token and then they say, okay, well, you know, we're, we're in the process of building and it's kind of this, you know, wonky little application you could hardly get transactions processed on. And so, yeah, they're a great example of somebody who did it the right way. In fact, yeah. I'd love to bring them on the podcast um, if you want to introduce. I mean, yeah, would be yeah, I'll, I'll check with Nick Johnson. Yeah, for sure. That'll, that'll be cool. Uh, yeah. And maybe we'll get the, the crypto 101 uh, .eth or something like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah. man, Casola, this has been uh, amazing having you on the show. Um, there, there's so many different areas that we could go with this, but we're running out of time. I just kind of got one last question for you. One that we ask everyone who comes on the show. And I'm going to say, except Vitalik Buterin, <laughs> uh, except Vitalik Buterin, since uh, you're so plugged in with the Ethereum ecosystem, uh, maybe there's another knight in shining armor uh, in that ecosystem. But out of everybody you kind of interacted with, who, who really impresses you? Who's uh, somebody who's challenged you to think differently about Ethereum or uh, you know, made you have like a, a zero to one moment? Um, I want to say I actually have multiple people. Yeah, go for it. Peter Slaji, who codes the Get, co- he's a code dev at Ethereum Foundation, who's behind. If you're using Get, probably 90% of the time everyone uses uh, Get Ethereum client, you're basically using like code that he wrote at some point. Um, I don't know whether he's super involved in actual coding now, but he's still like a senior level developer. And another person would be um, Nick Johnson, like I mentioned, for ENS. Um, he helped me multiple times in multiple uh, occasions, like sometimes about smart, uh, smart contracts, sometimes about like how Ethereum is functioning, things like that. And I also want to give a shout out to, um, I do not remember all the names. There are eight people who mainly worked on Ethereum Merge. Mm. So shout out to all the devs uh, who worked on the merge and and made sure it's like went super smooth. Yeah. Um. I yeah. So unfortunately, I don't remember all the names. But hey, I mean that's uh they they really uh as you say you know they bared the cross for all of us over these years. Yeah. And uh, hey man, it was great. Um, they they did a great job and Casal, it was wonderful getting to reconnect with you here on the podcast. Um, And we'll talk with you again soon. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Bryce. Have a good one. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.